In the spring of 1829, Joseph Smith lived in Harmony, Pennsylvania. There was much work to do on their farm, and he did not have time to work on the translation of the Book of Mormon. His brother Samuel had acted as a scribe along with his wife Emma, but she was busy with her household duties and not able to help him much with the translation, and Joseph felt a great urgency to finish the work. He'd had the plates now for one and a half years, and with the loss of the 116 pages, he only had a few other pages he'd been able to translate. He prayed that the Lord would send someone to help him, and was told in Doctrine and Covenants, section 5, verse 34, that a means would be provided to accomplish this great work. Earlier in the fall of 1828, a young man named Oliver Cowdery, who was a year younger than Joseph, came to teach school in Manchester. He was fascinated by the rumors he'd heard about Joseph's visit by an angel and the gold plates. Teachers often lived with their students' families, and he wanted to board with the Smith family to hopefully learn more about this young prophet. They were understandably wary about talking too much after the manuscript was stolen and with all the local gossip. During that winter, Oliver gained their trust, and when Joseph's father came back from Harmony in February 1829, with the revelation in section 4 about a marvelous work that was about to begin, they began to talk with him about Joseph's divine calling. Like Joseph, Oliver was a sincere seeker of truth who was dissatisfied with modern churches and believed in a God of miracles who still revealed his will to people. Oliver was captivated at what he heard and longed to help Joseph with the translation. On a spring day in 1829, he told the Smith family that he wanted to go to Harmony when the school year was over and help Joseph with this important work. Joseph's parents urged him to ask the Lord if his desires were right, and that evening Oliver prayed and received a vision where the Lord showed him the gold plates and Joseph's efforts to translate them. He had a peaceful feeling about this work and knew that he should go and be Joseph's scribe. Oliver and Samuel went to Harmony. They arrived on April 5th, and Oliver told Joseph, I'm here to translate. And Joseph said, I know that. In his 1832 history, he wrote, I was not able to obtain the plates for a season, and after much humility and affliction of soul, I obtained them again. When the Lord appeared unto a young man by the name of Oliver Cowdery, and showed unto him the plates in a vision, and also the truth of the work, and what the Lord was about to do through me, his unworthy servant, he was desirous to come and write for me. On April 7th, they began their work of translating the plates somewhere in the book of Mosiah. Oliver had been a scribe for several weeks, and he wanted a further witness of the assurance he'd received earlier. Joseph prayed and received section 6. The revelation begins with the Lord telling Oliver that a great and marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of men, similar to what he told Joseph's father in section 4. He told Oliver to give heed to his word, which is quick, meaning alive, and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, allowing it to cut and pierce through anything. He told Oliver to keep his commandments and to seek to bring forth and establish the cause of Zion. He admonished him to seek for wisdom instead of riches, and he would be made rich and have eternal life. The Lord told Oliver that because of his desire to be part of this work, he would be the means of doing much good in this generation. Oliver was granted a gift to be able to translate like Joseph. The Lord reminded Oliver that when he asked about the work, his mind had been enlightened by the Spirit of Truth, and that only God knew his thoughts and the intents of his heart. He told Oliver that he was blessed with a sacred gift of revelation that cometh from above, and promised him great and marvelous mysteries of the gospel. The Lord asked, Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? 
What greater witness can you have than from God? And the Lord told him to look unto me in every thought. Doubt not, fear not, and be faithful, keep my commandments, and you shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. Oliver knew that Joseph had told him things in section 6 that he would not have known except through revelation. This encouraged him, and he knew Joseph was a prophet of God. Joseph and Oliver had a difference of opinion about John chapter 21 in the Bible, whether John the Beloved had actually died. They asked the Lord in prayer, and through the Urim and Thummim received section 7. This revelation was translated from a parchment written by John himself. He asked the Savior if he could have power over death to live on the earth and bring souls to Christ until his second coming, while Peter desired to go speedily to the Savior's kingdom. Jesus told them that they both had what they desired and should have joy in it. As the work progressed, Oliver wanted to play a greater part in the translation as he'd been promised. In April 1829, Joseph prayed and received section 8, and Oliver was assured by the Lord that he'd receive a knowledge of whatever he asked for, including ancient records if he asked in faith and with an honest heart. Section 8 verses 2 and 3 teach us that the Savior speaks to both our mind and heart. We can receive personal revelation in many ways. The Lord or his messengers can visit us, we can hear their voice, or have a vision or dream. But revelation most often comes as the Holy Ghost communicates to us in a still, small voice, thoughts and peace to our mind and feelings in our heart. The Lord said that by this Spirit, Moses brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground. This was Oliver's gift, and he should apply into it, and it would bless and deliver him out of the hands of his enemies. The Lord said he was blessed with other gifts, including the gift of Aaron, which referred to using a divining rod through the power of God. The revelation ends with Oliver being reminded that he can do nothing without faith, and he should ask to know the mysteries of God, and to translate and receive knowledge from ancient records. Doctrine and Covenants section 9 was also given in April, when Oliver Cowdery tried to use his gift to translate the Book of Mormon and failed. The Lord said that it was not expedient for him to translate at this time, and for now he should be Joseph's scribe. He did say that there were other records we'd be given, when we're ready with enough faith and obedience, and that Oliver would be able to assist in translating them. The Lord told him to be patient and not murmur. He taught Oliver about why he could not translate, and said he needed to do more than simply ask. Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you when you took no thought save it was to ask me. He told Oliver to study it out in your mind, then ask me if it be right. And if it was, his bosom shall burn within you. And if it was not, he would have a stupor of thought that would cause him to forget the thing that was wrong. Oliver was admonished to be faithful, not yield to temptation, and stand fast in the work he'd been called to, and he would be lifted up at the last day. We really don't know why Oliver failed in his translation efforts. He may have lacked faith, or as we read in section 9 verse 11, he feared and the time has passed. Whatever the reason, we need to remember that next to Joseph, Oliver was the person most prominently mentioned in the Doctrine and Covenants, and was known as the second elder in the church. He shared many revelations with the prophet, including glorious visions of John the Baptist, Peter, James, and John, and of the Savior in the Kirtland Temple. Joseph completed the translation in about 65 working days. He and Oliver started on April 7, 1829. 
by the middle of May were at 3rd Nephi and finished by the end of June. Joseph often produced 10 pages a day and would rarely need to go back, review, or revise them. In an early church conference, Hiram asked Joseph to explain how he translated the Book of Mormon. But Joseph said, It's not for me to tell them and not for them to know. He always said, I translated it by the gift and power of God. Oliver Cowdery wrote, These were days never to be forgotten, to sit under the sound of a voice dictated by the inspiration of heaven, awaken my utmost gratitude. Day after day I continued, uninterrupted to write from his mouth as he translated. There are many accounts from those who saw Joseph translating the plates, and I encourage you to read them. But however the translation happened, we should never get distracted from the message of the Book of Mormon by the method it was translated. The revelation was the real thing, and the Book of Mormon is a marvelous work and a wonder. The Lord spoke by name to 60 people in the Doctrine and Covenants through his prophet Joseph Smith about their individual needs and circumstances, and almost all the revelations were given as answers to questions he asked. But we don't have to be a prophet to receive our own revelation from the Holy Ghost. We learn in sections 6 through 9 what revelation is, how it's given, how to receive it, and how to recognize it. The heavens are open, and the Lord is as anxious to communicate with us what we both need and want to know as we are to receive it. But he also respects our agency. Joseph did not just decide to walk to the sacred grove one spring morning. He prepared himself, studied the matter in his mind, pondered the scriptures, and then asked the Lord in prayer. No message appears in Scripture more often than ask and ye shall receive. And being able to receive and follow personal revelation is the most important skill we can have in this life. <music>